Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Love for enemies. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even, even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do, do that. And if you lend to those from, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, just pop it in there. Oh, yeah, I'll slot it in. Great. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, morning, morning. Um, so today we're going to be thinking about kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is kind. Sorry, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now that's quite a list. That's quite a list. And maybe one way to think about that list this morning is a bit like if you went to the supermarket, picked up an orange from the fruit shelf, took one segment out, discarded the rest, popped that in your shopping bag, took it home, left it sitting in a fruit bowl for a couple of days. How edible is that? See, a small act of kindness can go a long way. But true kindness can't stand on its own. The fruit of the Spirit is not a pick and mix deal. It's a whole package. Proper kindness comes with love. It comes with patience. It comes with gentleness. It comes with self-control. It's a really big deal. In the Bible, when it talks about God's kindness, it often talks about his other character traits, his goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness. And throughout the Bible, wherever God's kindness is, there's often some pretty massive adjectives that go with it. Abundant kindness, countless kindness, as high as the heavens kindness, everlasting kindness. And as Psalm 119 says, the earth is full of the Lord's kindness. So kindness is a big deal. It's not small, it's not weak, and we need to be careful not to think of it as such. Often we tend to think of kindness either as a fixed character trait. Isn't that person so kind? Or, well, I don't really think they're that kind. 
or we think of it as a one-off act. Wasn't that so unkind? But I want to suggest another way of thinking about kindness this morning that I hope will encourage us. Right, we might not feel fully comfortable with this this morning, but please show me your biceps. Show me your biceps and have a look around the room. Do we all have muscles? Are they all that big? Maybe not. Can they all grow and get stronger? Yes. And kindness is a bit like that. Now, what helps our muscles to grow? Give me some thoughts. What helps our muscles to grow? Just shout them out. Exercise. Yes, what else? Sorry, what was that? Using them, absolutely. Nutrition, oxygen, water, resistance. That's interesting. I've not thought of that one. But isn't it interesting that with our muscles, there's a certain amount that's dependent on us, our exercise and what we put in. But there's also an amount that's dependent on environment. And I want to say to you this morning that as we exercise our kindness muscles, we also need God to fill us, to make us kindness, kind beyond what's humanly possible. And to think about how our kindness muscles might grow and get stronger, what would that look like? All we have to do is look at our Bible passage this morning, which was pretty hefty and challenging. Now, you may not feel like you have enemies or people who curse you or persecute you, but are there those in your workplace who gossip or bully? Are there those at school who leave us out of games in the playground? Are there members of our family who seem to create all the drama and the tension. Let's look at a Bible story today where we can see both kindness but also harshness play out. Because I don't know about you, I might think, well, I'm not an unkind person. But you know what? Sometimes I can be harsh. I can be thoughtless. I can be selfless. So in our Bible, there's a king called Saul. We're going to have a bit of a timeline. Don't worry too much about it. I'm going to talk us through. Um, He disobeys God, and he really messes up, and God's not happy with him, and he rejects him as king. And so we start to go on this very famous journey that we probably know really well, where David gets anointed, this little shepherd boy, the end of the line in his family, to be king. And then he goes and he defeats the giant Goliath. And then maybe we know the bit about him running away from Saul and then actually when he commits adultery later on in his life. But underneath all these kind of famous, epic, film-like moments, there are other things at play. Firstly, Saul allows harshness to take hold of his heart. He gets greedy and he tries to take control. He twists God's plan so that he can steal the cattle at the battleground, so that he can set up a sacrifice when he wasn't meant to. And then that greed develops into lies. He twists the truth. So when Samuel challenges him on it, he goes, no, no, I did what God told me. Then it develops into jealousy. He looks at David, this young man who's growing in popularity and success, and he thinks, I want that for myself. And then it becomes fear. He fears that David is going to steal his position, his power, his wealth. All that greed, all that jealousy, all that bitterness could not be contained. 
And so Saul became harsh and he went after David. He tried to kill him multiple times. And not only did he go after his enemy, he went after his wife, his daughter, and his only son. He insulted his wife, he shouted at his daughter, and he threw a spear at Jonathan. Saul did not start out intending to be unkind, but all those harsh thoughts were eventually his undoing. And then there's David. I think we've got a David in the audience this morning. Emmanuel, do you want to come up? As Emmanuel comes up, I'm going to describe David to you. David is a very different character. He gets anointed to become king, which is an amazing honor. Do you want to take your throne over here? Cool, you got a sus now. He gets anointed to become king, what an amazing honor, but he doesn't demand the throne straight away. He goes straight back to the fields, does the long hours, wears the grubby clothes, puts his life on the line for the sheep, and gets zero recognition. David gets to play a harp in front of the current king, and he's willing to serve Saul, despite the fact he already knows he's entitled to his place. David wins more battles, gets more popular, and then Saul tries to kill him. But even then, he goes back to serve the current king. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone tried to kill me, I wouldn't go to their house and play a private gig for them. And yet David turns the other cheek and is kind to his enemy. But I think in this story there's actually an even kinder character. So could our Jonathan come up and take your place? Now Jonathan was a prince. He was next in line to take the throne. So you got your crown, got your sword. I'll let you sort that out. And uh, grab your throne. And so Jonathan... Well, he had every right to be bitter and jealous and angry at David because David comes out of nowhere. Saul's had his heyday. He's been on the throne for years. Jonathan loses his moment. And yet, rather than being harsh, the Bible tells us that Jonathan loved David as much as himself and he gave up all that stuff. Sorry, you've only had it for a minute, haven't you? He gave up his crown. He gave up his royal robes. He gave up his battle sword, and he welcomed David into his family. Great, do you want to grab a seat again? Now we can see here that Jonathan didn't see himself as entitled to all that royal stuff, but he was willing to give it up to encourage, to affirm, to welcome David in. You can see that Jonathan is starting to exercise that kindness muscle. But it doesn't end there. He then goes and tries to change Saul's mind when Saul's after David. He then goes and tips David off to hide when Saul is after him. And finally, we see Jonathan's kindness at full strength. He goes to his father, and his father throws a spear at him, just as Saul had done to David twice before. He literally took his place. That was his greatest act of kindness. So great was Jonathan's selflessness that it left David weeping at the end of the story. Does that sound like anyone we know? So as we come into land, I just want to point out something. Jonathan was a very kind person. 
but it took years of training and practicing and those baby steps to get to a place where he was willing to stand in David's place. But God's not like that. He does not need to hit the metaphorical gym to come in and be kind for you and me. The word for kindness in the Old Testament appears 236 times, and it means a number of things. My two personal favorites are loving kindness and steadfast love. You know God's love, his kindness, it never gives up, it never runs out on us. Jesus was in the highest position of strength and power and glory, and he was not obligated to be kind to us. He didn't have to do it. No one could have ever fully imagined how much his kindness would cost him either. Yet he stepped down into the mess, the muck, the sin, the dirt of our mistakes in our our world and took that suffering and took that death to serve us and to save us so that we might be welcomed into his royal family. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that by your spirit you place in us the same kindness that led Jesus to the cross. And we thank you as we head towards communion now, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your abundant, countless, everlasting loving kindness. And that we can find it here at the foot of your cross. We are so sorry for the harshness of our hearts and the mess of our mistakes. Lord, help us to become more like you that the world would see your glorious kindness. Amen.